from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. This is Dana Russell. I am joined by Darby Robinson and we are pumped to be back. Thank you to everyone who listened the first time around. We are still working through exactly what does a podcast look like. How do we record podcasts? It's all very confusing. Uh, but the first time we talked about position players, so we're just going to talk more Tampa Bay Rays, and we're going to talk through the pitching this side. So, Darby, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well. It's going really well. I'm, uh, I'm excited to uh, kind of look back on the first month and uh, talk about our pitching, both uh, starting and bullpen variety. To level set, we are... What is it? 27 games. The 28th game of the season is ongoing right now. Uh, the Rays are 13 and 14 because they beat the Marlins last night. And so far tonight, it's looking well for Alex Cobb. Uh, the Rays are up three nothing in the sixth. So high hopes. The Rays are uh, fourth in division right now because most teams are are about split. The Orioles are still leading somehow, 16 and eight. Uh, not to disparage them, but I never thought that pitching staff would work for them, and it's doing just fine. And now and they're then, getting uh, Zach Britton back, so it some it's just going to get a little bit better for him. Yeah, the rich get richer, apparently. <laughs> and then uh, Yankees and Red Sox. So Blue Jays are at nine and seventeen. That's the uh, seller dweller to watch right now. But other than that, uh, we're here to talk Rays. So uh, let's start with the rotation. Because I'm very, very excited about what we're seeing from Chris Archer. Last year, he was credited with uh, 19 losses, which is abysmal and embarrassing and frustrating because we don't think wins and losses mean anything uh, on an individual game level. But it seems to be the only instance where uh, I think at a season level you can say wins and losses actually kind of told a story here. The Rays were unable to win games that their ace started, and that was a problem. This year, he's kind of turned things around a little bit. Yeah, I think um, last year was a bit frustrating, I think, uh, especially for Archer's standards. He is a guy that we expect a lot out of and has produced at a very high level uh, very early on in his career. And uh, while last year he just um, he had some he had some real, you know, tough, tough luck in a lot of it. I mean, I think we, we spent a lot of time last year sort of uh, not so much upset with the Archer's starts, but more just the kind of bad luck of just how each game it just seemed like when he was on, the offense just couldn't get enough. When he was, when the offense kind of gave him a little bit, then he would kind of give up, you know, four or five runs. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he had his 19 losses. So the kind of, you know, national view was like, what is wrong with Chris Archer? And kind of the the view from from the Bay was sort of, you know, like, I don't really know. He, he's pitching well. And if you look at the peripheral numbers, he, his K rate was good. His walk rate was fine. Uh, he did have a pretty big spike in home runs, which um, maybe it was because uh, Kevin Kiermaier was out and he couldn't reel in like a, a, a dozen or so of those home run balls over center field. But, uh, but yeah, this year he's, he has bounced back in a big, big way. Yeah, his K per nine is at 8.5. I know we typically talk strength, uh, strikeout rate uh, in terms of percentages, but in that case, I think K per nine matters because he could go nine innings if he wanted to. And uh, he's been one of the race starters out there throwing more than 100 pitches on a regular basis. Uh, his fly ball rate is uh, under control, I guess, somewhat. But he's importantly, he's the only race starter with a uh, FIP, a fielding independent pitching metric uh in the threes it's 333 uh through six starts this year and uh he has a 343 era but that fip is really what i look for and i feel real good about it um one of the fun things about archer last year was exactly how many pitches he throws in this offseason uh multiple people at the site uh kind of dove into what is archer's arsenal what's actually going on here and because it really seemed like uh, there was more to his slider than uh, jumped off the page. And, I mean, fastball changeup, we got that. But his slider, I was almost under the impression there were three sliders, a very hard slider, a slow slider, and then something in the middle. Uh, Ian 
after opening day was really able to look at and start parsing some stats and said, wow, this is definitely two distinct sliders. There's a hard one and there's a slow one. The uh, It jumps out when you graph out all the stat cast, the track man, the pitch FX, whatever you want to call it. Um, because it's different season to season now that there's uh, new MLB AM stuff. But it really seems like Chris Archer is officially a four-pitch pitcher. And it's really fun to watch how he's been able to turn a three-pitch arsenal into a four-pitch arsenal. Yeah, I mean, Archer's a guy that kind of got away uh, early on. You know, he was a fastball slider guy. And uh, he's slowly, I mean, not even so slowly, but like he's really developing every year into just you know, one of the game's greatest young starters. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, you know, whether he's doing stuff like the um, uh, Cuba kind of being the almost sort of spokesman and leader for the Rays uh, during the international trip to, to play the Cuban national team or representing, you know, everywhere he goes, uh, working with uh, kids groups all around the country to on the field. He's just, um, he's just an exciting guy to watch. And, and this kind of, slider mix is just a a really neat little thing that he's added to it. I mean, you know, a lot of young pitchers with his sort of stuff, if you can throw a hard slider, you can throw a a mid nineties fastball. uh, You don't really even need to change much, but he's, he's one of those interesting guys that I think does really try to work on constantly crafting his game and, uh, and working sort of um, maybe he's very introspective. I'd say, if anybody's followed his Twitter, he he throws a lot of philosophical quotes. Mm-hmm. So I could see him looking at baseball in the same sort of way. What is really a slider when you break it down? <laughs> Very esoteric. Yeah, it's some Jaden Smith kind of stuff. How can it slide when we all are sliding? I think uh, I think it's disingenuous to not say his strikeout rate is lower than classic Chris Archer. I mean, I talked about 8.5 K per nine, uh, kind of leading the rotation. That's good. But this is a era of high strikeout rates. And he typically was at 10, uh, higher than 10 per nine. Uh, so in percentages, uh, his 2015 rate was uh, 29%. His 2016 rate was 27.5. And he's at 22.5 through six starts. We expect a little more from Chris Archer. Um, but his walk rate's not crazy high. It's at 9%. It's normally at 8%. So I think uh, with a little bit of time, hopefully we'll see a little bit more strikeouts and the walk rate will be about the same. But so far, he looks like his ace self uh, in demeanor as well. He, uh, I think you're right. He still has that swagger about him, uh, not just in a you know mentoring youth, inner city kids kind of way, but a, truly a, uh, a baseball ambassador kind of guy. Uh, Alex Cobb is on the mound right now, and there's a lot to say about his experience. So he came back from Tommy John last season, uh, had some positive starts when he finally got into the Rays rotation, and then started giving up some runs toward the end of the year. And he came back, and it really seems like his arsenal, his true stuff, is still in development. And uh, multiple locations have written about that. The Tampa Bay Times has written about it. He's not throwing his change up. And uh, so his changeup is a split change. It's one where, uh, and if you're listening, I would encourage you to actually take your index finger and your middle finger and just create that V and spread that all the way out and even try to wrap it around something. It's not easy on your tendons just to spread your fingers in general. And uh, him and Odorizzi, because he taught it to Odorizzi, throw this split change pitch. Um which was an incredible ground ball pitch. And since he's come back from Tommy John, that's been the last thing to come. That's typical. Changeups are the last thing to come for everybody, but he's not throwing it all this year. And the question has become, A, is it going to come back? And B, uh, what does Cobb look like if it doesn't come back? And so far, you know, it's, you know, it's early in the season, but Cobb is not ace Cobb without his changeup. He's serviceable, um, but it kind of... There's instances where it's a little bit pedestrian as well. So I get worried about Alex Cobb. Yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, Alex Cobb, the dominant kind of ace guy, uh, was dominant because of that split change. Um, I think uh, fan graphs, they, they kind of nicknamed it the thing. It was a beastly pitch. It was a uh, kind of one of those just absolute unfair pitches in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. so over the, over his career, he's thrown it at least, uh, about a third of the time. 
Um, and sometimes it even spiked higher than that. This year, he's throwing his changeup, um, which, again, sometimes can be really hard to classify, depending upon if you're looking at Brooks or if you're looking at um, Sackcast. Sometimes they kind of uh, have a hard time kind of classifying it. But he's only throwing it about a little over 20%. Uh, so it's a lot lower. And I don't think he fully trusts it, especially early on. He's starting to mix it up a little bit more. He's adding it in. So hopefully it will continue. But it's not, we have not seen one uh, of those special split changeups. He's throwing a changeup, mm-hmm. but it's not getting the break. It's not getting the huge drop. It's not making batters kind of bugs bunny in the, in the batter's box. He's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's hard because you can tell how frustrated he is a guy that wears the motion on his sleeve and you can mm-hmm. tell how frustrated he is that he can't do uh, what he always has done, you know, for his whole life. Um, but he's also a he's a real he, he really works hard and he's just constantly kind of, you know, uh, pushing through. And uh, I, hopefully I really want to see Cobb, you know, obviously get success from a selfish point of view, because I want to see the Rays do well, but I also really want to see just personally him uh, kind of get back to being maybe not that ace. Maybe that's like a little too high of a bar, but uh, at least getting back to, you know, having that nasty change up and, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of getting back to the pitcher that he, he was maybe not all the way pre uh, Tommy John, but kind of adding more to that repertoire and getting that change up a little bit sharper. He, uh, I guess the, the, the interesting thing about him is good pitchers adapt as they get older, uh, from the many years of watching James Shields, good pitchers just change and, uh, they respond to what hitters are doing to them and, and how they age and, uh, life's coming at Cobb real fast mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he's kind of transforming to the contact pitcher that, uh, was the, the early career struggle that you kind of go through being contract contact pitcher. He's doing that again. And it's almost like watching a new pitcher come up from the minors or something like that. It's going to be weird to see, uh, how he, uh, gets through the fire right now. And Oh my goodness to timeout Colby Rasmus finally is getting an at bat for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he almost went yard in Marlins park and it was very exciting. Uh. And I was about to lose my mind. The TV is on in the background <laughs> and it went foul. So forgive uh, me, just had to call that timeout. So that's Cobb. <laughs> uh, in in between Archer and Cobb in the rotation is Jake Odorizzi. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, or emotions about him other than thank God the hamstring issue wasn't a real problem? Oh, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, when he kind of had to leave that, uh, I forget which game it was, but he, he recently you know left the game um, after. Just yeah, the first his, inning. His third and, start. His third start, maybe. Yeah, that was that was just one of those things where you're like, oh boy, this is this is exactly the Rays' start to the season, getting through April with you know Cobb again, like you said, kind of working his way back, kind of becoming now using that curveball more, trying to be more of a contact guy, less of a strikeout guy. You have Blake Snell, who who will get to, who's you know kind of young, trying to work his way through some stuff. You can't lose Odorizzi. He's the you need to at least have somebody to go with Chris Archer that you can kind of trust to at least try to give you like six, <laughs> you, you, you mm-hmm. need somebody. And so him coming back healthy, I mean, again, it's, it's very early on. He's only pitched 18 uh, innings. So, right. His most recent start seen. was, was limited to what? 75 pitches, something like that. Yeah. And he, anyway, he went uh, five innings, uh, pretty clean. Was it five mm-hmm. innings or six? Innings? Uh, but it, it, was, it was pretty five. clean. It was just it was just yesterday, and I've already forgot. Um, but yeah, he's he's Odorizzi. He's um, there's not much to say about. Him. He's just a uh, he's one of those pitchers that gets consistently overlooked because I think he's just he what he does is not super flashy. Um, but he's a uh, he's a he's a really solid number two pitcher, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> the Rays the the collective sigh of relief uh, was huge when he when that hamstring was. Well, when, when any pitcher leaves uh, and get the trainers to look at him after an inning, your immediate thought is the worst possible scenario. And, uh, and you're thinking, is it arm? Is it, is it, uh, is it, is he, is he done? The fact that it was the hamstring a little bit, a little bit easier, but that can still uh, affect you for a while. So yeah, Odorizzi coming back, he looks like Jake Odorizzi and that's a good thing. 
Yeah, Mark Sulimanov, uh, one of our writers, uh, was in the Yankees, uh, uh, or the Rays visiting clubhouse at Yankee Stadium, I should say. And he got a, uh, a, a, a sneaking glance at uh, Odorizzi and just said, wow, the, the deep bruise on his hamstring from that comebacker was just nasty looking. And, uh, I, I mean purple I, I like I, I don't i don't have like a visual image but i mean i just can't i don't i don't want to imagine what it's like to get hit with a uh you know 90 something mile an hour fastball straight in the hammy so no yeah and nice i mean I, I pulled a hammy walking you. up the stairs last week so <laughs> i don't <laughs> think it's a uh a stretch to say he probably needed to miss one or two games and uh but i'm i'm glad he's his old self he he looks uh the same if not maybe a little more under control he is a maturing pitcher um, you know, he seems to be about the same in the strikeout column uh, when strikeouts are a little more scarce for the Rays this year. And his walk rate is down as well through four starts. You know, forgive me for the small sample size, but uh, I'm not worried about Odorizzi and I'm glad he's back. So Blake Snell, sophomore slump. Is that is that fair? <laughs> um, well, it's it's still early. It's still early. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a little it's been very frustrating. It's been very, very frustrating watching his starts because he has great stuff. He, he gives up some of the, the lowest contact. Um, he gives up weak contact. Like he, he's one of the pitchers that just absolutely uh, guys do not square up well, um, but he doesn't throw strikes. And that's yeah. really frustrating. And he has really, really struggled with that. Um, his strikeouts are way down so far. Small sample size alert to everything that we're saying, but... His strikeout percentage is way down and his walks are way up. And just in general, he's not getting deep into games because he is just throwing. I mean, his successful at bats are, you know, going four or five pitches. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a real, real struggle. Uh, but you can see the talent there. Like that's, that's what's, that's what's kind of frustrating is that this guy has a live fastball, a brutal, uh, curveball. Like he, he's got great stuff. Um, but oh, and, and we're reason. all going to be sitting on Snell Island for a, a long time. I, I have no doubt that he's going to be okay in the long run. Uh, I mean, you're saying strikeouts down and walks are up. They are equal. His strikeout rate and his walk yeah. rate are both 15.5%. And, you know, that's that's a, not a great a, thing. <laughs> it's a 6.2 on the K per 9 or whatever. So it's a, it's a problem for him. Last year, his, his, his rookie outing, it was a 339 FIP. And just a slightly higher ERA. Right now, he's got a essentially a 3.39 ERA, and his FIP is way up in the fives. So he has the best ERA on the team, but his FIP is kind of telling in this situation. So I I agree with you. I think uh, I think it just needs to dial in. I think we need a little bit more time. I think it has to do with you know just maturing as a pitcher, putting your big boy pants yeah. on and going out there. And, and this is where, and, th- and this is where the Rays, uh, they just do such a job with their pitchers that you do feel a little bit more uh, trust and comfort that you know that Jim Hickey can can potentially, if anybody can uh, can be the guy to to teach a young pitcher, you'd want it to be Jim Hickey. You you feel mm-hmm. like he he's a guy that's you know watching every single pitch he's throwing, he's making his notes, he's going to talk to him, and he's going to help him get through this. So yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a tough going, but like, this is a, a really talented young pitcher. So I'm not so worried. It's just very frustrating right now. And it's, and it's very fair to be frustrated right now. Yeah. Um, but he's trying, he's definitely trying some stuff. He's, he's pitching out of the stretch. He's, he's doing, he, he's just trying a bunch of different things. And I feel like he's just, um, yeah, working through some stuff right now. So I mean, definitely. We've, we've had a couple things come up on the site. Um, you know, some GIF breakdowns going, this is what his rotation, uh, his rotation, his, uh, uh, his, his pitching movement looks like right now. Uh, taking the hands, putting them up behind his head, bringing them back down, trying to pitch. His most recent start, he's like, okay, I'm going to change the hand thing. You know, uh, where I feel like, you know, who am I to say I'm sitting on my couch right now? But it, I thought it was the stride forward that was more the problem. I don't know what Snell's problems are, but the delivery is just not all that repeatable. But as you were saying, this is not Jim Hickey's first rodeo, particularly with a, a young lefty who needs to 
you know, find consistency in his delivery, uh, a.k.a. Matt Moore. So I, I'm not worried. I think this is just the same old growing pains that a rotation typically goes through of having a star young lefty or a future star and a young lefty just kind of figuring out who he is. Uh, the other person figuring out who he is is Matt Andrews. And uh, I did not expect to feel good about Matt Andrews. And he actually has um, oh, w- worse stats in the ERA and FIP column uh, ever so slightly in comparison to Blake Snell. Why do I feel good about Matt Andrews? Uh, it's because Matt Andrews has a walk rate uh, about half of, um, uh, of Blake Snell. And I think that just makes you feel better. Uh, yeah, I trust him. Yeah. And Andrew, I think pitchers that throw that, uh, that walk people just are inherently untrustworthy. I wouldn't trust them with my car. I wouldn't trust them, uh, pretty much just to, to start a game of baseball, which is a very applicable thing for them to do. Um, he, Andrees is a guy that is, if you, if you didn't think, uh, Jake, uh, Odorizzi was flashy, that Andrees is the, 1994 Honda Civic version of that, uh, of Jake Odorizzi. He is a, um, just a, you know, kind of a, a, just a fifth starter type, a long reliever fifth starter guy who has done pretty well. He's not walking a lot of guys, which is good. He's Mm -hmm. not really striking out a lot of people either, but that's kind of not his game either. Um, yeah, he, uh, his peripheral numbers don't look great. Uh, however, he's, he's come up with some really solid starts. He's, he's pitched kind of, uh, the most consistently. I mean, I guess it's, that's, that's the big thing with managers is he's fairly consistent. You, he may not be uh, a shutdown guy, but he, he really doesn't explode, uh, too often. Yeah, I think I think major league competence was the uh, bar he needed to clear as a starter, and uh, I don't know if that's rude or not to say, but I feel I feel like he's done that well, and I guess I guess what what's so fantastic, what gives me confidence about all that is uh, it could have gone much worse. The next man up from Durham uh, would have been Jose De Leon. But he didn't really finish stretching out after leaving spring training to go pitch in the World Baseball Classic, which I think was good for him. He wasn't making the majors anyway. He needed some time in the minors because the Rays want that extra bit on the rookie contract. So De Leon wasn't going to make it out of camp. Uh, so he left, went to the World Baseball Classic, kind of uh, wasn't right physically, came back, uh, was, was slightly injured, needed to go to extended spring training. The Rays were probably going to do that anyway because he's never pitched really a full year before. Um, so De Leon's not coming up. Brent Honeywell was promoted to AAA. Not a huge difference between double AA and AAA for pitchers. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough's in AAA. He's been lights out. He's a lefty. But for both of them, uh, neither of them are on the 40-man roster and the 40-man is tight for the Rays right now. Uh, and the only other uh, starters, Jake Faria and Taylor Grieri, uh, and fingers crossed that I pronounced that right, how long have we had him? It seems what? like a long time. It seems like he was... Uh, 2000, he was 2011 first-round draft pick. I'm still not confident how you say Grieri. Grieri? Yeah, I feel like I just I just cheap out and just say Taylor G, and, uh, and it just makes me sound cool. Um, with the kids, but uh, yeah, it's mostly because I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. Forgive me, um, but Taylor's all... mom, if you're listening. And... <laughs> Longtime friend of the site as well. Um, yes, friend of the pod. For a friend of the podcast. Uh, another starter that I think I actually am really excited about of those of those young guys. We kind of just you know briefly went over, and there'll be more time to go over those later on in future podcasts. But uh, another starter who is up right now, kind of not really doing anything, but he's kind of an emergency is uh i think chi we who who is the is the 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 the, the beautiful uh, abbott and costello routine that we're going to be doing when he becomes the official either reliever or starter for us um who is another starter uh that is potentially another next man up but again these are a lot of young pitchers and uh odorizzi or uh, not odorizzi andres while also a young pitcher pitches with a little bit more I guess maturity he he doesn't seem like he gets rattled he doesn't seem like he kind of lets innings get away from him so he's been just 
everywhere he's sort of been asked to do, he's done well. Um, but I do think once Jose de Leon or, or Honeywell, um, whatever the next young kind of potential ace comes up, I do think Andres is sort of keeping the spot open or kind of keeping it warm. And I do think Andres has a real big role for the, these rays as a, as a reliever. I, I think uh, Andres coming in being kind of the rays, what they really like is those kind of um, two inning relievers in the Erasmo Ramirez and uh, Austin Pruitt kind of mold. I think Andres does have a nice future with this team. Um, even if that's not starting, I think you might take a, take another little step up once he becomes a reliever full time. Right. That kind of dances around something really important here is that uh, the Rays bullpen is all uh, sixth starters right now, which is a crazy problem. <laughs> so we, sh- we should probably talk about the uh, dearth of setup men that the Rays have. So the Rays entered the season with Alex Colomay, uh cemented as the closer. He was the only all-star representative from last season. Uh, there's arguments that he was a top five reliever in the American League. Uh, he does have the capability to go multiple innings, like you were saying, and he is just a lights-out closer uh, most of the time. The Rays have been riding this horse into the ground, though, because there's no one behind him. Uh, Brad Boxberger entered the year injured, flexor strain. Uh, Tommy Hunter uh, is a high-leverage guy. He uh, pulled his calf. He's out for a while. Sean Tolleson injured his back. Uh, he was a Rangers closer in 2015, uh, recovering from the back injury. He has a flexor strain. And then Xavier Cedeno had a flexor strain so bad he had to go and see Dr. James Andrews. Ended up being a fine report, but um, those four guys, which we would have anticipated seeing in, in setup roles, all four of them aren't seeing this raised roster at least until June. And we have plenty of stuff up on the site on uh, uh, about their injuries a little bit more. But we kind of have to skip past that because now we're looking at a Rays bullpen where the best reliever is Jumbo Diaz. And it's, ah, it's, it, it's mind-boggling. So Jumbo Diaz was cut by the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds. The Rays say they were watching him for a while, and I completely get it because he's throwing 97-98, and he has a changeup that he never used in Cincinnati, and that's exactly the Rays type. They're looking for those peripheral bullpen arms who should be really good, who should be able to use that rising high heat fastball and a change, and it's just not really, you know, it's not following the Rays way yet. And he has, you know, become the next big Jim Hickey reclamation project so far. His season in his age 33 season, I think he uh, uh, gives the Rays a ton. <laughs> uh, I really tried hard it's not a, to it's a cruel, cruel I'm sorry. I I, I felt it coming. I tried to pull it back in. It didn't work out. Um, you just got by the gravitational pull of that uh, pun right there. Anyway, uh, the big man is anchoring the Rays bullpen. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And yeah, his his uh his results have been has been good. He has a 3.55 ERA, but then also more importantly, his FIP is 3.39. So it's actually shown that he has been pretty successful. Uh, oddly enough, he's not really getting strikeouts as much as you'd expect, as much as he normally gets. And he is walking some folks at, at about, you know, a 13.2% uh, walk rate. Um, but he's been, he's been coming in through some big, big spots. And uh, yeah, Jumbo's absolutely pitched. I think nobody... Could have possibly, if you just came into the season where like Jumbo Diaz is going to be the guy that when he gets called on, you were like, oh, thankfully. Thank God it's Jumbo Diaz. Oh, thank God it's Jumbo Diaz. Thank God it's the guy that was DFA. Thank God it's the uh, rotund reliever who was signed originally in 2001 and has been around the league forever. And it just got DFA'd by the Cincinnati Reds. This is the guy, the inning is saved. We can breathe easy. Uh, but that's who he's been. He has been. Uh, he's been a, a delight. I love me some Jumbo Diaz, and with all of the the, the horrendous, you know, there, there's injuries. enough to go around. There, yeah. Oh, I mean, he does wear the the nickname with pride. So I feel like I don't. I don't feel as bad making making uh, low hanging fruit jokes. But uh, yeah, Jumbo is. He's he's been a, a delight. You know, this is not, um, you know, th- this bullpen. It's weird. The numbers aren't super pretty, 
the results have been kind of mixed. And yet, I, I'm going to throw this question to you. Why do I feel good about this bullpen so far? Why do I feel that I, I don't know why, but I don't feel bad about this bullpen. I feel like it's been solid. It's been solid for me. And I don't know um, why, because none of these numbers really suggest that that's the case. Right. It's a 500 ball club. I think one of the interesting things is the bullpen has been called upon repeatedly and has had one of the better ERAs as a bullpen in the American League. And I think that lends itself to the Rays building around guys that can pitch multiple innings. Uh, the the Austin Pruitt, Chase Whitley, Erasmo Ramirez mold where you're looking for guys who you can call upon to go again. We saw that play a really big role in the playoffs last year. And I think it, it's evident that the Rays have a type. And so when you see a guy go out there, you're not as panicking. I think old school bullpens, you're going, okay, there's your Rugi, there's your Lugi. You know, he's going to get one out here. He's going to get one out here. How are we going to figure out the next three innings? And it starts becoming this this little bit of a panic. I need this guy to be able to cover three outs. Whereas instead you say, okay, we're going to tap on Chase Whitley's shoulder, send him out there, you know, maybe go through four outs until they start, you know, messing with the lineup on the other side. I, uh, as, as, a, as a whole, they're stepping up, though, and I think that's important because last year we had a similar situation. The Rays thought they had a decent team. Uh, they got super injured in April, which sounds very familiar. The Rays lead or <laughs> have led the league in the disabled list category again uh, the second year in a row um, to start the season. And the bullpen stepped up. People like Steve Jeltz uh, were randomly a good pitcher. Um, Steve Jeltz is no longer with the Rays for good reason. Um, or, or maybe was it Geltz? See, there's another guy. I, I watched him for a year and I, <laughs> I still go back and forth. He was a good he Geltz at the time. He pitched a perfect game uh, over the course of uh, many, many games. Yeah, what was it? Over 10 or 11 outings. But the, it, was the, the whole, it was the Paul Abdul magic. The whole thing is the Rays were a decent team early in the year, but they were only decent because a bullpen that was in sh- should have been in shambles stepped up. And we're kind of getting the same rerun this year where uh, the Rays are very good defensively. They lead the league in defensive runs saved. Kiermaier leads the league in defensive runs saved. There is plenty to feel good about on that side, but you need the pitching to go with the defense. And the bullpen, you know, has has done their end of the deal with like a 3-5 ERA in April. It's, uh, it's not the, the best bullpen in the world. I think any of us will say that. But, you know, and, and like you said, if you just pull up Jumbo's Fangraphs page, you're going to see almost equal strikeouts and walks, and you're going to say why, you know, Fangraphs <laughs> doesn't have the hold stat as far as I, if memory serves, I'm not looking. Uh, maybe they do, but I think Jumbo Diaz. They, okay, so Jumbo probably leads the raise and holds. If uh, he, if my he has uh, he has three holds, yeah. and okay. uh, and the top for the raise, I'm looking it up right now, is uh, actually ah oh okay. So there is not Jumbo. He is he is second. Who is number one? I'll throw some trivia at you. Uh, for holds. Is it Farquhar? Yes. It is. <laughs> it is Lord Farquhar. It is Danny Farquhar. So um, coming into the season, I actually thought, um, actually me and, and uh, JT Morgan were both the leaders and might still be the leaders of the Danny Farquhar fan club. Um, right. I was not really, on board. No, uh, neither was Matt Germain, neither was many people. Um, Many people just do not like or trust little Danny Farquhar. But he is really good. And what he is, is our loogie. And that is weird because he's a right-handed pitcher. But he is really good at getting out left-handed batters. And, you know, when used well, uh, if if he comes in and it's uh, like a lefty-righty-lefty, that's a great spot to use Danny Farquhar. And when used in that situation, he's pitched really well. He's racked up five holds already, which again, counting sets, who cares? But still, he's he's pitched really well when used properly. He's also had some really bad performances when they've sort of just had him kind of finish off uh, some outings and pitched against three righties in a row, and he's kind of gotten knocked around. So again, every, every bullpen arm has been mixed, but Danny Farquhar has come up and with Xavier Cedeno pitching very poorly and, and being injured and kind of missing a lot of time now, Farquhar is the loogie that the Rays need. Um, there's one other bullpen guy that we need to talk about 
because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that have come up, but we really have to talk about uh, Austin Pruitt. Okay, so I will eat my words because uh, yes, after his I, fourth outing of the year or something like that, I was done. Uh, the Rays had their options, I, so they had three guys they were looking at to take the final. Uh, the final spot in the bullpen other than Jumbo Diaz, which we didn't really talk about that. The Rays did not guarantee Jumbo Diaz a slot. They had a 25 man roster and they announced 24 slots and did not announce Jumbo Diaz for a little while because they were looking for something else. That is how not on board the Rays were even sure <laughs> that Jumbo would be okay. And all of a sudden we're acting like he's God's gift to the Rays bullpen, um, which, you know, is unfair. We probably just like him, but uh, I think, when you have to watch baseball every day, you need to have players that you like. Uh, I was not in love with Austin Pruitt. I wanted my boy Jamie Schultz in there. Jamie Schultz has now not been available in Durham because he had a uh, a pulled groin. And so he's been slightly injured. And the other guy in that, that little triad of opportunity was Diego Moreno, who uh, Kevin Cash has said, we'll see him eventually. Don't worry about it. So Austin Pruitt. Yes, oh I my your, goodness! Your, your exact words were, "I am, I am done with Austin Pruitt." I believe that was the exact words in our Slack chat. Was uh, we're done with it? Oh, now, it gets worse. I, I tweeted goodbye, <laughs> Austin Pruitt, and I, oh, I get no. I get lots of uh, <laughs> those still come up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I usually contain my stuff to the Slack chat where I can just kind of uh, have plausible deniability. It's not out there in the world. It was uh, a moment of weakness. <laughs> and since but but here's here's the sports talk radio hot take uh you put him on blast and he just suddenly found that extra gear so you can take credit for him if you are you know on the uh am radio you can be like this is what he needed he needed an internet blogger to come out and call him out and he's he's now figured it out but uh yeah I mean, so the, awesome thing, the thing that the coaches said that they liked about him was his composure on the mound which I was like, okay, so confidence? You know, what does that mean? And then he goes out there, and he's not even recording outs, and he's allowing runs. But so, he's confident doing it. And but he <laughs> he continued to do that for a while, and then all of a sudden he turns around, and he just continues to mow people down, including getting a start, which was that crazy yes. situation. Jake Rodrizzi's out uh, with that, with that uh, tweaked hammy. I won't even say pulled. It was just, you know, bruised. And Erasmo Ramirez gets the first start. Uh, his his next opportunity to step up. Uh, Ramirez is is withheld because it was supposed to downpour. And Austin Prudis given the start for the bullpen day, and he mows him down for three innings. Yeah, three three innings, three strikeouts, just one walk, one hit, a game score coming in of a fifty five. I mean, this is a, a bullpen guy, a rookie pitcher, and he goes against the leading team in the American League uh, East and is just, he's, he was, and that line, he was, do, he was more dominant than that line even showed. It was, uh, it was incredible. And on the season, he has been, after, after those first three, really, really, really shaky outings. I mean, I, you know, kind of gave you the, the business there about calling him out, but I, I don't think I was really all that on board. I thought he was just fairly meh. And, he just didn't seem like he had really anything that was going to get major league hitters out. And boy, howdy, uh, did has he proven us so wrong? I mean, okay, so I'm going to do it again. Do you know who leads the Tampa Bay Rays in wins? Uh, I, I would think it's Austin Pruitt. It's Austin Pruitt. <laughs> yeah, he has been like involved, and in, he's been involved in in a couple of, especially lately. I feel like those three wins have come like in the last like like two weeks. Oh, it's good to love recency bias. Yes, exactly. No, he he's so he started off the season. I, I feel like he he just got he got bashed around. Um, wasn't missing bats. Uh, wasn't really locating that well. He's a command pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. He he doesn't walk, you know anybody. He he just he doesn't walk people. Which again, as a as a bullpen person, I love that. I would rather somebody that doesn't walk anybody. At least they're going to have to hit you uh, to, to, to beat you. Um, but yeah, he, he's come in. His, his BABIP against is 377, which I think must be really quite, quite a bit of that, that early part of the season. And, and, but since then, he, he doesn't walk anybody. 
he's he's actually striking out people. And yeah, his right now his ERA is is rough. It's five point seven one, but that's when you look at the the FIP, which is mm-hmm. under four. 3.92. Well, and that includes the terrible three outings to start the year where he couldn't get an out. Exactly. And and when you have when you're talking about what 17 innings that you know, you you give up four runs in one game and that kind of shoots your ERA. That's kind of the rough part about a bullpen. You're you're really just one out, one bat out away from make, having your uh your line look real ugly. Mhm. Um but yeah, I'll, Improve it. He's uh, like he gets that's the kind of thing that sometimes when you're looking at a pitcher, maybe sometimes we really should trust the team a little bit more. And and, and when they sort of say like I, th- this kid has this makeup to to pitch again bullpen tough tough outings. He's not been given just mop up duty. He has been given some really really key uh, uh, appearances and has been right out of necessity. People. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what bullpen loses? four setup men. I think the Rays kind of knew they were playing with fire a little bit with uh, Brad Boxberger and Sean Tolleson, guys who were closers, <laughs> established, you know, impressive closers, but saying, okay, these guys are going to hurt. Tommy Hunter, you know, he broke his back last year when he, you know, saved his kid falling down the stairs. Dramatic, very nice story. Um, it's just Alex Colomay and his mystery breaking ball. That's all the Rays have in high leverage. It was going to be these moments where we're calling on a rookie like Austin Pruitt to step up, and the fact that he has has been what's really cool. Um, let, let's make sure we've talked about the bullpen holistically, and then we can land the plane. Um, Erasmo Ramirez is keeping his walk rate down. I actually feel pretty good about him as well. Uh, what I've always loved about Ramirez and the Rays have, you know, come close to trading him, according to the rumors, a couple times just because he's so valuable. He can pitch, you know, any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, I think he's a true rubber man. He, you know, he'll pitch back to back to back if you need him to. He'll be a starter if you need him to. His walk rate's pretty low, and the Rays are getting the outs when he's on the mound. I, I. I will continue to love Erasmo and his big goofy grin. Um, I, I I think he's valuable. Um, I understand why the Rays might trade him because you never know. You know, look at Brad Boxberg. You never know if it's going to last. But and, uh, and they have been, guys like uh, Matt Andrees and Chase Whitley who could yeah, potentially yeah same 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 type yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, let's talk about Chase Whitley. So he was pretty frustrated to get demoted to start the year. And, you know, four openings in the bullpen does a lot for you. And I don't think he's allowed a run since he was promoted. And he's, he's come in and just been uh, beastly. Absolutely, yeah, lights absolutely out. lights out. And he's I got 10 innings, maybe 11 now after tonight's game. He, he was a guy that I definitely thought was going to play a big role in this bullpen. Uh, I like his stuff. Um, I think him... I don't think he's. I think he's kind of going to be a guy that we're going to to lean on uh, with with Erasmo, um, with Austin Pruitt uh, to kind of just hold on until we get some some big arms coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. Whitley's Whitley's been great. Erasmo is just solid. Uh, today is also his birthday, so happy birthday, Erasmo oh, hey. Ramirez! You won't be listening to it on your birthday. No, you won't be listening to it at all. But happy birthday, uh, Erasmo! We love you and your smile. Okay, so so the Rays bullpen is then Alex Colome, um, who people just need to stop complaining about because he's fine. Yeah, uh, he's he's still he, he's just a a great pitcher. He had a couple blown saves. It happens. Whatever. Potentially flash in the pan setup men Danny Farquhar and Jumbo Diaz. Uh, yeah, and then yep yep yeah and then four backup starters: Erasmo Ramirez, Austin Pruitt, Chase Whitley, Chiwei Hu. Uh, Chiwei, we can talk a little bit more. He's the 12th Taiwanese pitcher in baseball history. He has a palm ball, a full arsenal. Uh, he's got a palm and, ball and a changeup. He is, yeah. he is such a raised pitcher. <laughs> it's fun. Um, he, uh, he's also, this is his age 23 season, you know, uh, comping him to Andres a little bit earlier in terms of depth of, of what he can throw. I think that's fair. But Andres, you know, is what, 28, 29, and Chiwei's going out there at age 23. He's not that far removed from pitching in the uh, the world side of the All-Star Futures game. 
Uh, it's just a lot of fun to see him succeeding and to see him at the major league level. Um, I don't know if the Rays are going to reserve him to be the long man. We haven't really seen a lot of him yet, and he's probably going to be quick to be sent back. He hasn't you know, had an opportunity to do much yet. But I'm glad he's here, and I hope we see more of him. Uh, Chase Whitley, I, I, I hope he can stick around. Honestly, I feel comfortable with Chase Whitley on the mound, and I think the... Uh, you you hear good reports from guys like Alex Cobb, Steven Souza, just saying, hey, I'm so glad that Whitley's here because uh, uh, he's a good presence. I think Tommy Hunter's still with the club as well. And uh, he's one of those veteran presences that are important, uh, particularly with Cedeno out. Cedeno has been that somewhat gray beard. He's 30. Tommy Hunter is also uh, uh, late in his age 30 season. Uh, but Tommy Hunter, when he came in, uh, by all accounts, just kind of said, look, I've seen lots of veterans play the game and I can turn around and, you know, impart that same kind of influence, that same kind of style on the entire Rays clubhouse. Uh, he came in like Ricky Weeks on a minor league deal, but the Rays kind of said, look, here's our veteran. Bring him in, change the culture, create a more comfortable clubhouse. By all accounts, it's a more comfortable clubhouse this year. Tommy Hunter, be well, get well. Uh, among the guys who are hurt, he's probably the one who's coming back first. Uh, with just a calf strain. So, um, yeah, my goodness. The, the pitching is the, the Rays kind of bread and butter. So and it as long be. as, and, and it needs to be. So yeah, the starters, hopefully we'll see better, more better performances from Snell as he kind of works through his stuff and the bullpen just kind of hang on. Uh, and hopefully, and we throw enough stuff at the wall and a few players stick. So uh, that's kind of the Rays model. So we were a month into the season. Uh, the Rays are surviving, and they have some interesting and exciting pitchers to watch uh, coming uh, in May. So um, basically, yeah, if you're a Rays fan, it's been mixed results so far, but there is some definitely uh, exciting and encouraging things to look for in May to see, uh, to see who sticks around and, and who um, uh, steps up. Yeah, in terms of the hand dealt to them, I, I feel fine about the Rays rotation. I, was, I I came into this conversation thinking, if I was Tampa Bay, what would I have done differently with this rotation? You return Chris Archer, you return Jake Odorizzi, you return Blake Snell, you expect each of them to step up. Uh, you bring Alex Cobb, who was an ace back from Tommy John surgery, you expect him to step up. And then, you know, you have your fifth starter, and it's kind of do or die for him. Uh, would the Rays have been better off signing, you know, a periphery fifth guy? I mean, Charlie Morton got two years from the Astros. It was an aggressive market. You know, I don't, I don't know who the Rays could have signed other than like Matt Latos, which, <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for not right. You'd rather see Matt Andrees go out there and and you know try to make something happen. And yeah, he has, you know, to some extent. So. It's uh, eventually you have to trust your depth and they need to do something. So I don't, I don't know how much else the race could have done. They did go out and trade Logan Forsyth to get, uh, Jose de Leon, who is coming eventually. Brent Honeywell is coming eventually. I think, you know, these things are coming along, but I don't blame the race for having the rotation that they have had and they need to, you know, just perform slightly better than they did in April and slightly better from the rotation with uh, the same kind of performance from this stepped-up bullpen, uh, which is lacking four high-leverage arms, uh, but surviving. I, just a little bit better performance from the rotation. All of a sudden, this is not a 500 club. This is a better-than-500 club. And, you know, hopefully the baseball gods start being kind. I, I don't know. I feel fine. I don't know what they could have done differently. Yeah, I think I think this is, this is what the Rays have, and I think... Uh it's it's it is what it is and uh, i think they yep. they played it well so it's again it's it's process and results so i think the process was good and, and hopefully the results will follow uh keep watching jumbo diaz uh <laughs> keep, keep 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 rooting for him uh danny farquhar is a great loogie and Proving that's wrong. that's what he is yeah man not, i, I thought not me. Was you trouble. not me i it was all about him. I love you, Danny. You're not listening to this either, but you had people that believed in you. 
Not many. Know, man. Well, he but, so he came into he came into spring training. In my defense, he came to spring training, and you kind of watch those relief pitcher velocities. Not that you're supposed to believe anything in spring training, but Farquhar came in and it was like, uh, it's a little slow. You know, you're not a starter, buddy. Why? Why is it coming a little too slow? So He's saving himself. He was yeah. saving himself. <laughs> saving himself for season is exactly. uh, at least he did. So. That's the state of things in the minors on the uh, bullpen side. Uh, the next men up are Ryan Garten could come back. He is on the 40-man roster. We already saw him briefly this year. Uh, Ryan Ryan Stanek uh, has n- fast. He's got he that hundred triple-digit fastball and you know triple-digit walk rate. Uh, yeah. You know it's it's dialing in. I think uh, I think you can feel good about it. I thought if any of those guys on the ten day DL go to the sixty day DL, like Xavier Cedeno, I thought we were going to see Diego Moreno added. I thought it was his time to shine. Uh, so I'm I am very excited that we have who instead. Um, it is uh, it is an exciting time for the Rays in terms of their depth stepping up, and I think uh, it gets better. So this is this is going to be a fun month. Um, anything else, Darby? No, I think this is. I, I definitely second that. There's uh, some exciting guys. Once um, we're going to see Moreno, we're going to see Jamie Schultz eventually, and we're probably going to see Stanek, who I'm not as bullish on, but he does throw fast and uh, chicks dig the hundred mile an hour fastball. So uh, okay. yeah, definitely some more exciting people to to see. All right, landing the plane. Uh, thank you to Dustin. Dustin Klingman is the uh, uh, very deep voice you hear at the beginning and at the end of the podcast. Uh, he is uh, a champ. He is our producer. Uh, he has been the one encouraging us to get back into this and give it another shot. And uh, so thank you, Dusty. We love you. Uh, go to DRaysBay.com. It, you know, we're con- uh, we have more content on the site in the last year than we've had in a very long time. I feel good about it. We've got lots of writers coming around. You can contact us if you really wanted to at draysbaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, we'll take any and all suggestions you have to make this suboptimal thing slightly better. Uh, you are welcome to rate us on iTunes if you'd like to. And we will be back next week. So thank you. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on theraysbay.com.